Hi to our audience members, it's a pleasure to have you join us. This webinar will give you a project update on Osro's project to develop the data to support the heavy vehicle road reforms. My name is Liz, I'm the moderator and can assist if you are experiencing any technical issues. Please use the questions box that you can see in your sidebar if you do need to contact me. Osro acknowledges the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting and where our presenter is based. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Osro also acknowledges and respects the Treaty of Waitangi and Māori as original people of New Zealand. This session is proudly brought to you by Osroads. Osroads supports its member organisations, those listed on this slide, to deliver an improved road transport network. Our members are collectively responsible for managing 900,000 kilometres of roads valued at more than $250 billion. At Osroads, we use a program management approach where each program focuses on an operational area of the road system. This Osroads project falls under the assets program. In relation to timings today, we'll follow our usual format where our presenter will present for approximately 35 minutes. After that, we'll answer your questions in a live Q&A and that will go for around 15 minutes. We are recording today's session and I'll email you once the recording has been uploaded on austroads.com.au forward slash webinars and also on our podcast. You can download the presentation slide to this webinar from the handout section in your sidebar. The GoToWebinar system has a function for you to send through questions for the Q&A. Simply type your questions into the questions box that you can see in your sidebar at any stage of the presentation. To help us answer your question as best as we can, please indicate the slide number your question relates to. So without further delay, I'd like to introduce our speaker for today. Our speaker is Ulysses I, who presented a webinar for us earlier this year on level of service requirements for freight on rural roads. Feel free to watch that webinar recording at some point in time, but in the meantime, I'll let you know more about him. Ulysses has led projects for 11 years as a research scientist within ARB's asset management team. The majority of Ulysses' work focuses on conducting experimental work, new areas of research, and the transferal of research findings into practical methods. Hi, Ulysses. Welcome back. Glad you could join us today. Thanks, Elise, and good afternoon, everyone. And here are the topics that Ulysses will cover, and I'll pass it over to Ulysses. Okay, thank you. All right, so as mentioned, um, what we have on the screen now is the, uh, the agenda for this presentation. So I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about the project background um, as an introduction. So in that, I'll be covering a little bit of the project context. Then I'll be talking about some of the key outputs of this project. The first one is the heavy vehicle infrastructure rating. So I'll be elaborating a little bit about what that is and what it's used for. Um, then I'll be talking about the data supply process, which is a process where we're trying to obtain asset um, information from asset owners and basically supply that into uh, a national asset register, which is the next item on which I'll be providing an update. And then I'll be talking about one of the key activities within the current project or the current year of the project, where we're trying to expand this national asset register to local government freight routes. And then finally, as mentioned, there'll be a Q&A at the end. So to begin with the project background introduction, um, I'm first going to talk about some of the people that have been involved in making this project work. So in the core project team, in addition to myself as the project leader, we have Michelle Barron from TMR, who's serving as the Austro's project manager, and also providing a lot of um, technical assistance and direction from the, the state rate agency per, um, perspective. 
George O'Pinnon from the Department of Regional Development and Cities is representing the, the Commonwealth um, through the heavy vehicle road reform, so providing the direction from that, um, from that group. We have a number of advisory groups which also are involved in providing input into this project. Uh, so we have, of course, the heavy vehicle road reform working group, which provides a lot of the, the high level policy, et cetera, um, view of this project. We have other, stake road, uh, other stakeholders in the road and traffic authorities, which are providing a lot of the technical input. And then finally, we have the various Austro task forces, such as the asset task force, and then also the freight task force that has provided some input into this project as well. What I'm doing now is providing a bit of acknowledgement for some other um, partners who are starting to work with, especially in this year. So I just want to acknowledge their assistance. So um, because we're embarking on involving a lot of local governments and trying to get data about their freight routes, we are involving some of the, the state local government associations. And so the people on the screen now, Mark Comedy from Walga, Emily Lindsay from the MAB, and um, Sanjeev from New South Wales, these are some people we're starting to engage with in the short term. And then we'll look to engage with more um, of these representatives in other jurisdictions as we go on. Also, I'd like to acknowledge Rebel Thompson from Namoy Unlimited, which is one of the regional groupings of councils in New South Wales, um, where we're trying to work with a lot of those regional groupings where they exist, so in New South Wales, Queensland, and WA as well. So, I'm now going to provide a little bit of information about the heavy vehicle road reform, which forms the, the context for this project, this project being just one part of that, that body of work. And so these words have come from the, um, the reform working groups, et cetera. So I'm just going to read out the words that they have provided. So the Coag Transport and Infrastructure Council is working across all three levels of government on the reform. This involves bringing together transport policy professionals, road asset managers, treasuries, and industry to make real and lasting improvements to the way roads are maintained and funded. So the aim of all this is to establish a market that links heavy vehicle industry road user needs with the level of service that the roads are providing, the road charges that the industry pay, and then the investment of those charges back into heavy vehicle road services. So for this to work, customers need to be able to clearly understand what service they are paying for. So phase one of these reforms is focused on improving the quality and transparency of the information about road condition and the level of service different roads provide, as well as road spending. So since 2015, the reform has been establishing a first-generation framework for road data sharing through the asset registers, infrastructure ratings, and expenditure plans. So those first two subpoints, asset registers and infrastructure ratings, are some of the key outputs of this current project. The expenditure plans are being handled under a different project, but in the end, we'll need to bring together um, all of this data under the one effort. Talking now a little bit about the individual projects, this project, AAM 6068, is a follow-on or an extension from a previous project, AT1920, which essentially had the same title and the same body of work. And so this project has been um, playing its part within this larger reform by collecting infrastructure and condition data to create the asset register uh, and the heavy vehicle infrastructure rating. That heavy vehicle infrastructure rating, which I'll elaborate on in a second, is basically a way of being able to take condition and inventory data and about infrastructure and use it to create an indication or a measure of the suitability of the road for heavy vehicle traffic. So it builds a lot on previous work within this project and other Osprey's projects about the levels of service for heavy vehicles. So the HVR tool is also one of the key outputs of this project and that's the means of um, basically providing road asset owners, be they at the state road agencies or increasingly local governments, basically the capability to generate ratings on their data 
review those results and then publish them to a national map. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that when I discuss the, the data supply process. Just now I want to give you a bit of an overview about where the previous project left off and then what were some of the key activities within the current project. So that previous project, 181920, that wrapped up in June 2017, one of the key activities that we undertook within that project early on was to basically do a survey of what data was available in the state road agencies and how consistent was that data, where were the differences, um, what was the same, et cetera, what could we actually build off. And we found that it wasn't as bad as we first feared, it was, it was actually feasible for us to go ahead and create a national asset register. As part of that process though, we did need to come up with a national road classification system that we could use within the reform. Each of the jurisdictions had their own road classification system and they were not alike. There were some um, key differences there. So we basically reviewed those and came up with a, an amalgamated or a, an average kind of classification approach that we could use within this reform. And I'll elaborate on that slightly later. We came up with a preliminary form of that infrastructure-based level of service measure um, that I'll elaborate on in a second. And finally, we also came up with a preliminary national asset register. So we basically were able to collect data from all of the state road agencies um, and put them together into a single asset register, although at that time it was not uh, useful because we had not yet resolved all the issues related to that data, inconsistencies, etc. Moving to the first year of the, the current project, which was the last financial year, we some of the key outputs or key activities were that we finalised that heavy vehicle infrastructure rating. We established this online data supply process using a HBAR tool. And then we also commenced a local government pilot for supplying data where we started to um, work with a couple of local governments to really identify and address some of the key issues that they would have in supplying data in the same way that the state road agencies had. Moving into the current year of the project, we have begun to undertake this review of the heavy vehicle infrastructure rating, looking at how it's calculated, testing some of the assumptions and key concepts on, on their own basis of that. We have an ongoing process of identifying and solving data supply challenges at all levels of this, of this project. We've started, as I mentioned, engaging with local governments to get them to supply data about their favourites as well. And we've also began to prepare for the Australian data standards. This project has been earmarked as one of the first um, applications for that data standard. And so we began preparing the way for that to happen. Uh, a third year for this project is also anticipated and within that we will basically be further developing outputs based on stakeholder engagement. That's uh, another way of saying that is all throughout this project and the previous project in fact we've tried to maintain a high level of flexibility so at each stage we're able to review what's been done, look at what is needed and then go ahead and um, see what's needed in the immediate or the next stage of the project and so we'll aim to do that so before we commence year three We'll review what we've done, what we've achieved, and then that will establish the agenda for the next um, year. One of the things though we will definitely want to achieve in that final year is that actual implementation of the Australian data standard. Going now into actually what this heavy vehicle infrastructure rating actually is, um, I'm not going to go into a huge detailed explanation, but this is going to be a bit of an overview. So our intention is basically to take data, to review that, to analyze that data in a particular way that allows us then to produce this rating at the very end. And so we basically do that analysis through what we call service attributes. And so these are basically some attributes or aspects of the infrastructure which contributes to the level of service. So what you're seeing on the screen there is a representation of this, where basically we take input data in, consider it through this service attribute, and then the output is that we produce an index between zero and one. 
uh, as, a, as a scale of representing how well that particular road section is performing in terms of that service attribute. Now you'll see at the top here, there are a number of calculation methods available. And the reason why we do that is because we are trying to make this, this capability available to the whole range of asset owners. So all the way from the well resource, that red agency, all the way down to a rural and remote local government. And so what that means is because all across this spectrum, there are different types of data available, different quality of that data, and even different format, et cetera. And so the different calculation methods often differ, offer different ways for the particular index for each service attribute to be calculated. So this might be something like what is the condition of the road. If you're a state road agency, you have IRI data that's calculated from the longitudinal profile of the road. So it's a very rich and reliable data source. If you're down in a local government, you may only have visual inspections of the road. So we come up with calculation methods um, that are designed to be equivalent, but obviously when you're looking at a different uh, range of data quality, then there are some limitations in the results that you get. So this framework has been designed to be able to include a number of different service attributes with the ability to add additional service attributes in the future if that's warranted. So regardless, currently we have a, a, a set number of service attributes. These all uh, are used to calculate uh, an index for each one of these, which are then weighted based on their relative importance and then basically just come together to produce this heavy vehicle infrastructure rating, which we produce as a or normally express rather as a percentage um, to show basically where it lies on that scale. So the service attributes that we use currently are access, ride quality, and safety. And these were determined after some surveys and literature reviews that were undertaken under a couple of different um, other Austro's projects. Um, a lot of the literature review came out of North America and a lot of the surveys that were done of heavy vehicle drivers and also fleet operators within Australia um, basically had identified these three things from both of those sources as the key things that are looked for by particularly heavy vehicle drivers when they're driving along the road. And this is the aspect of the infrastructure that contribute to their sense of how, how much service has been provided by that infrastructure. Obviously, heavy vehicle access is key because they want to be able to drive on the road in the first place. Ride quality is important as they're driving along the road. There's the experience of driving along that road is determined by the, the roughness or the ride quality of the road. And finally, what we're calling safety, which is really perceived safety is what the driver is interested in in the case of emergency. So what they identified as what was important to them in that respect was how much width of lane do I have to move within and also how much continuous surface is available in terms of a, an, an unbroken surface in terms of a sealed shoulder if the lane is sealed. So that does not refer to uh, an unsealed shoulder next to a sealed lane because the edge drop-offs can create potential issues. So basically we want to know what's the total amount of width I have to maneuver within in case of an emergency. As I mentioned, we offer a number of different calculation methods. It's not my intention to go into an explanation of all of these at this time, but just to show you that there are a number of different calculation methods and some of those have been developed after the process we went through where we consulted with local government to see what data they actually had. The key point here is that there are a number of calculation methods to accommodate different asset owners, and they have all been designed to be equivalent with the provider, of course, that if you're providing a lower quality of data or less reliable data, then you get a more limited result um, of the actual rating. 
So here are those service attributes again, access by quality and safety. And what I want to do now is just take you through an example of what the calculation actually means, how it's used, why it's valuable. So let's say, for example, you look at the, the access level we have on a road section, you look at the, the ride quality and you look at the considerations of safety and you get a number, let's say, for example, you get a, a rating of 67%. The important thing to note about this number is that we are using the same ruler to measure the infrastructure regardless of what type of road it is. So in this way, we're getting this number, this 67% in this case, is actually a measure of the infrastructure itself. And so that provides you um, with, if you like, the objective measure of the level of service that the infrastructure is providing. Now, whether or not 67% is a good or a bad number relies on us then being able to interpret what is actually the role of the road within the network. Where is its position within the hierarchy? What is the road actually trying to do? And so that's where we need to consider what the, the road class or the road category has been called. What's on your screen now is actually the hierarchy of roads, of road categories we developed within the project, actually within the previous project, 18, 1920. This was developed after consideration of all the road classification systems that are in use across Australia in all the jurisdictions. And this is like, if you like, the generalized or the amalgamated um, set of road categories. And so you can see here we have a hierarchy from the freeways or um, high capacity, high speed roads all the way down to access or local roads. And what's been shown over here, these percentages are basically setting the expectations for these roads. And all these numbers are based on underlying considerations of the access, ride quality and safety. And so you can see for a higher level roads in the hierarchy, the, the range of expectations is higher than it is for those lower down in the hierarchy. And so basically what this says, if you look at this first one, is that we expect a freeway to have an infrastructure rating number of between 96% and 73%. So, for example, um, let's bring up a particular example. So, let's say if it was R3, the expectation is that the HVR value should be between 55% and 84%. So, this is basically setting the expectation for a road of that category, applying that position within the hierarchy, and that allows us then to interpret, interpret the number, whether the 67% in this case is good or bad. So, in this case, for an R3 road, it's below 55%. Categorized as low, above 84% is high, and then within the range, medium. So, what this really means is that medium means as expected, its performance met the expectations for that road category, which is why it's green, which actually means it's a good result. The other advantage of this approach, where we, we calculate a number based purely on the infrastructure and then we interpret that number, is that if a road over time, as the network grows and evolves, if a road needs to change its position within the hierarchy, then we're still using the same ruler to measure that infrastructure. We're not using five different rulers. So the value of HVR always means the same thing in terms of an objective, objective consideration of the infrastructure. So let's say, for example, the R3 road, um, currently it's medium. If that was to change to an R2 and an R4 road, it would still be meeting the expectations because is 67% in this example is still within all of these ranges. If this road was suddenly to be elevated to a freeway, obviously it would no longer be adequate, so that would indicate that some work needs to be done. Or if it was um, forced down in the hierarchy to be an access road for some reason, then obviously that infrastructure built to be an urban arterial or a rural highway would be performing well above the expectations of an access road. 
This is just a reminder that you can actually open up the slide panel and submit some questions for me to answer at the end. And if you refer to the slide number, which is in the lower right-hand corner, that will allow us to go back to that slide in the course of answering your question. What I'm going to talk about now is about the data supply process. This is basically, if you recall, that when we began this, um, this endeavour, all of the asset data was in the hands of the road agencies and, of course, in the hands of local government as well in, the, in, the, in terms of our, our future efforts. And so what we did initially was we requested data from the road agencies they provided to us, whereupon we would calculate the infrastructure ratings and then we would provide that those ratings to the Commonwealth. Obviously, what we're trying to do within this data supply process is that's not an efficient way of doing things and it also only works as long as the middleman, which is myself, is actually funded to undertake this middle step. So obviously what we want to do is move to, or the mature data supply process is one where we've basically delivered into the hands of the road agencies the capability for them to calculate the infrastructure rating in a, in a streamlined and consistent way across all those jurisdictions. And we do that through by making available to them this heavy vehicle infrastructure rating tool. And so they then calculate those ratings, they're able to review those ratings, and then this publishing process where they're submitting those ratings to the Commonwealth is actually a formal process where they're able to sign off on the ratings um, and also apply or uh, have their disclaimers applied to that. This is an example um, of what the ratings actually look like. So once again, the color coding here is the high, medium and low. And here we're showing the network for the entire um, Queensland State Road Network. So you can see here at this level, it looks like a lot of green, meaning that the road has met expectations. If you zoom into any section of this map, you will actually see some of the blue and the red start to emerge. So this means these are some sections that are probably due for maintenance. Um, and there are some other sections here that are showing up blue, meaning that probably they've been um, worked on or rehabilitated recently. So they're actually currently performing above standard. So these, these are actually screenshots from that heavy vehicle infrastructure rating tool. Um, this is another shot. So this is actually showing what the, the user, the state road agency or later the local government will actually see when they upload their data. Each one of these rows here is actually showing you a segment of the data based on however the network is actually segmented. Um, in the case of state road agencies, we are asking them to provide their data in terms of 100 meter segments. So each one of these in this case represents a 100 meter segment. When you expand this segment, you then see all of the data that's associated within the asset register um, for that uh, road segment. When they actually go through and calculate ratings, they see something similar where they have a row for each um, 100 meter segment, which they can expand, and that will then show them all the detail about the ratings that have been calculated. So for access, ride quality, and safety, then the rating, and then the expectation for that road, how it comes out. And because these are all widgets, they can actually, um, there's a lot of interaction between each of these widgets. So they can find a section through the map or they can locate on the map one of these road sections they've expanded. And then they can search this database, all these results to find out um, what they're interested in. So for example, if they type low in there, they'll then see a list of all of the sections that are rated low, which they can then investigate. We're also able to show where roads have the same road name. We're able to show basically all of the ratings against the change. And so in this example, we can see this road is a, an R1 road, so it's that three-way level kind of road, three-way or motorway. And we can see that the actual HBR rating is meeting expectations for the most part for these lines here. 
uh, basically showing the expectations for this code. And so we can see that the infrastructure rating is showing that this road is meeting expectations. At this point here, we can see it dips down into a low rating. So this second chart allows us to investigate that a little bit more by plotting the individual access ride quality and safety, so plotting the individual service attributes. And we can see that the reason why that rating overall is dropping down is because of the safety, which may be because the lane is narrowing or maybe the shoulder is disappearing. It's important to note that sometimes that may be happening for a good reason. And so by investigating that, um, you're able to sort of see if that's a problem or if it's actually happening for um, a reason that is uh, acceptable. It's also worth noting that um, because in this case, um, when these screenshots were taken, no access information had been provided. So it defaulted to 0.5, which was um, an older default value. Now the system will default to the equivalent of general access. This, uh, in this when road agencies do actually provide that access information, which there are a couple of options for doing so, and they get a more accurate representation of the access, this would be higher up, and then likewise, the overall infrastructure rating would be higher, and therefore likely be entirely inside this, um, the expectations for this road. So that is basically a way for the, the state road agencies to um, upload their data, to review that data, and then to produce ratings, and all of that then goes into this national asset register. And so currently, with um, all state resident agencies have been provided with login details to these online tools, which we preloaded with data that they provided previously under the old system, where they were basically sending the data to me. Um, currently, the state resident agencies are all working on uploading their latest inventory condition data, and some of them have actually completed that. Um, we're going to keep this HBIR tool in beta testing mode, probably for the duration of this entire project, because it doesn't make any sense for us to say, okay, this tool is now complete, while there's still time and budget for us to go and continue to make improvements, to continue to adapt this to the needs of all of our, our members. The other part of this, of course, is that we've made this tool available to the state rate agencies and soon to local governments as well. Um, and so another part of the process is for them to all take this on board and to basically incorporate it into the internal processes um, so that they can then basically use it on an ongoing basis. Because we want to be able to up, be updating this national asset register um, on an annual basis. This here now is showing you um, a coverage map. Um, this probably needs to be updated currently. Um, so all jurisdictions have submitted data. So this is showing the coverage, where the roads are, the data has been submitted for. We're currently working on being able to build towards consistency related to which roads should be included and how those roads should be classified. On this map, you can see instances where roads disappear when they meet, to meet borders. That's just a bit of mis miscommunication about which roads should be included. And when you actually look at the results, there are some issues with how roads have been classified in terms of uh, the expectations for those roads. So we'll be doing a little bit more work on that. Once this is completed, industry and the public will have access to the ratings for all freight in Australia. So they'll be able to access a map layer similar to this, but you'll actually see the, the you'll actually see the color coding for how the roads have been rated according to the infrastructure rating. So when they have access to that, that will provide some transparency relating to both the performance of the roads and the challenges related to maintaining roads to high standards. So I think a lot of the times the expectations are for all roads everywhere to be to maintained to a very high standard all the time. That is actually a challenging task. So, hoping that some of the transparency around this will help to convey that 
it's not always a, an easy task to maintain every road all the time to, to be perfect. Moving on now to one of the key um, activities that we're currently working on, so the local government pilot program. So last year we embarked on a technical pilot where we wanted to get an early start on some of the, the fundamental problems that we knew that local governments across Australia would face. And so we had a number of local governments from Victoria, Tasmania and South Australia involved in that process. And they basically helped us to identify some of the, the fundamental key problems that we were likely to face when we expanded to other local governments. And so that resulted in a lot of the, um, the additional calculation methods that were developed solely for local governments. Some of the learning from that, that technical pilot was that there was a need for us to provide better guidance on how local governments can determine access, heavy vehicle access. And there was generally a lack of resources and willingness to go and collect any additional data beyond what they collected already. Condition data that they had was usually limited to only to visual inspection. A lot of the data was up to five years old, which we, we learned um, previously in the previous project, and that was also confirmed again. And also, many local governments are initially interested in participating, but they're finding that the task is either too confronting or requiring too many resources to be feasible. And so that was a real learning for us that we, we definitely need to change the approach that we have to local governments um, in the way that we work with them. But one of the key outcomes, as I mentioned, was that we needed to um, develop a minimal data set that we could go to local government with, um, knowing that they are very, very likely to actually have that data. So all those learnings and other comments have been incorporated into the design of the full pilot program that we're commencing as we speak. This full program is um, divided into two main work streams. With work stream A, we're basically going to be following on from the Australian data standards because they are currently out there engaging with local government. And so to avoid overlap or confusion, we're basically um, working with the, the Australian data standard project to basically offer this heavy vehicle infrastructure rating as a, a way of, or something that, that can be an application for their data after they've gone through the process of organizing it under the Australian data standard. In addition to that, we will need to be going out and engaging with local governments on our own. And so we'll be doing that with the assistance that I mentioned at the start of the, the state local government associations and also any regional groupings or councils that are present within each jurisdiction. It's important to note that this full program, we're still calling it a pilot program because we are still focusing on testing feasibility, evaluating outcomes, and then documenting problems and solutions because we still need to basically work with the local governments to find the solutions because we're, if we go to local government with a, a set idea of what needs to happen, basically that will not work. We need to remain very flexible and work with each of the local governments as a partner in this process. And so that's why we maintain that terminology of a pilot to convey that. So this is just another reminder before we finish that you are able to send us questions by opening up that slide panel and entering a question, which Elliot will then ask me. And if you refer to your slide number, which is down in the bottom right hand corner, we can jump back to that slide. So that's all for me. So thank you all for your attention and I look forward to some interesting questions and I'll turn things now back over to Elise. Yeah, thanks for presenting Ulysses. I've been collating the questions throughout and received some really great questions and we'll go through them now. The first question we received is from Harry who is tuned in all the way from overseas, all the way from India, which is great to see. So his slide is in relation to slide 20. 
So you said, excellent presentation of the calculations. Can you articulate the basis of high, medium, low threshold values? Mm. Um, to some extent, yes. Um, if you want a detailed explanation of that, it's better to, to contact me directly because um, it is a little bit involved. But the basic principles of that were that to determine um, the maximum and indeed the minimum of wealth, we looked at the, the the equivalent maximum and minimum in terms of the expectations for each vote category and each service attribute. So we looked at, say, okay, for a freeway in terms of access, what do we expect the access level to be? Um, what do we expect the minimum access level and the maximum level? And that basically then determined individual values of that uh, heavy vehicle access index, which we then carried through um, to the actual final HBIR calculation. So it's probably not worth me going into much more detail than that at this stage, but just to repeat that it's based on a consideration of what's expected for each road category and each service attribute, and then carried through this calculation process to produce these, these actual percentages. So um, that might be too general to be really informative, but yeah, anyone who wants that detail can contact me directly and then I'll provide you with that detail. Thank you, Ulysses. Hope that's clarified your question, Harry. We'll go to the next question, which is in relation to slide 19. Yeah, so this is from Peter. So in this slide, safety was mentioned, including lane width. In New South Wales, the law states that if a, if a cyclist is riding on the road, a minimum distance of one metre must be allowed between the vehicle to the cyclist. This is exaggerated by the fact that the law requires anyone over the age of 14 or 16 must ride on the road. Have you allowed for this extra legislative requirement of one metre clearance plus additional lane width occupied by the cyclist in your safety clearance assessment? No, not at this time. And um, involving something like that, while it's important, might actually be um, a bit difficult. Um, this assessment is meant to be based on infrastructure. Um, and so that kind of consideration might fall slightly outside of scope, although I do acknowledge that it is important. And so, um, as we go on in this process, this infrastructure rating um, or the calculation of it is certainly something we're going to continue to refine. Um, and so we definitely want to know about issues like that and then we will we'll certainly consider them. So um, I've made a note of that and uh, we may uh, address that in the future, although I suspect that it, it might um, not be, uh, it might not end up being within the scope. But thank you for that and we definitely want to know about other issues of that nature. Thanks for answering that one. Next question is from Nicholas and he says, thanks for the presentation. He has a quick question regarding the access component of the rating. As access for vehicles can at times be quite binary in terms of a yes, no with respect to geometry, bridge access, etc. So how is this incorporated? Yeah, um, generally because we are dealing with, I suppose, segments of infrastructure rather than um, a route-based assessment, what we are basically going to do is to look at how is each piece of infrastructure performing. Um, and also, yeah, infrastructure, so including road pavements and also structures. And so um, in terms of the access, we basically look for the highest level uh, of access that's permitted um, by notice, not by permit, um, for each bit of road uh, infrastructure. And that then, um, is basically viewed in terms of how the network as a whole is then performing. 
So um, there's basically there's a lot that can be said about that, and I may not address the particular um, question within that uh, question, but just generally that's the general approach that we take. We're looking for the highest allowed level of access per segment of the network. Thanks, Ulysses. I hope that's answered your question, Nicholas. We'll get to the next question, and the question is, has a HVIR performance metric been added to the OSRA's data standard metrics, perhaps in section 8.12 performance service? Those kind of considerations are underway, I would say. Um, we've certainly done a lot of work to look at what data is being required by the OSRA's data standard, and rather than this infrastructure rating being included in the, the data standard, so to speak, it's more a matter of we will adapt the heavy vehicle infrastructure rating to be make sure it's able to use the data as it's required under the Australian data standard. So if uh, an asset owner is compliant with that Australian data standard, they should then in the future be able to calculate the heavy vehicle infrastructure rating without any issue. That's the intention. Great, thanks for answering that one. Another question is, does the HVIR rating apply to oversized, overmass vehicles? At this time, no, because um, there's a lot of complication with those considerations. So what we're looking for currently, or what this rating is meant to uh, represent is basically what is the, what sort of level of service is the infrastructure actually providing for, if you like, the, the average heavy vehicle, the average freight vehicle. So one that doesn't need to go and require um, special permission to use the road. Um, I think those kind of things are probably best handled under a different kind of consideration, um, although there will be ongoing discussions about oversized over mass. Yeah, thanks for answering. We have a couple of questions in relation to slide 20. So is there consistent use of the five categories across the various jurisdictions? Because this um, road classification system was developed just for this project, the answer to that generally is no. Um, they each have their own road classification systems or in some cases a, a few systems that they basically use for different purposes. So currently this um, road categorization system is not in use by jurisdictions for any other purpose other than when they're reporting results purely for this project. Um, there are efforts underway to develop a national road classification system and if such a thing is agreed to nationally by all jurisdictions, we will definitely switch over to using that because um, yeah, we basically need to, in all of these things, build towards whatever is used uh, nationally in a consistent way. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Ulysses. Another question is, what is the purpose of the maximum rating percentage in the HVIR? It's basically to indicate when uh, a road is basically um, delivering a sufficient level of service. Now, obviously why we'd all like roads to be um, as good as they could be, so to speak, um, just because of practical limitations, we need to be able to make sure that the road is um, delivering an adequate level of service, but um, not spending money to increase that service way beyond what's needed because that would then mean that those funds are not available for maintenance elsewhere as a network that could be critical. So it's really about being able to um, target your spending to be able to maintain the roads to uh, an appropriate standard. 
Excellent. Thanks for answering that one. We had another question in relation to slide 25. So it looks as though the tool would have broader purpose than just HVIR. Has any thought been given to the future expansion of the tool? Yes and no. I mean, this tool is um, has been built for a specialised purpose, and the the technology behind it is um, something that's widespread and well known. So um, it's of, I would suggest that it's that this kind of tool could be developed for other purposes um, if that was intended, because um, you wouldn't want one particular tool to become too, too bloated or to um, spread in its purpose. So um, yes, in terms of we're aware that there are other applications for tools of this nature, but no, in that I don't think that it's necessarily valuable to try and expand this particular tool to um, do, do everything, so to speak. But it will depend, of course, a lot on what that particular um, consideration is. In the past, where someone was just mentioning oversized overmass, it could be some merit to, in, to including some features related to oversized overmass within this. Um, but then it really depends what those other applications are. So that's kind of a, a yes and no answer. So hopefully that made sense. Thanks, Ulysses. Thanks for clarifying that one. We had a couple of questions in relation to slide 27. So what is going to happen to the data that was collected for this project after the project closes? So that um, data that's in the National Asset Register should still be there. And we're going to be, um, this is something where we is intended to continue way beyond the end of this project um, to become a feature of you know, asset management um, in, in Australia on an ongoing basis. And so that data should still be there and we're going to include features that allow historical records of the data to be caught up. So basically you want to be able to build um, a data set that asset register um, that has data for for each year as it passes and have the ability to go back in time to see those that data and those ratings. So the intention is for to remain in this asset register, which will be controlled by um, some uh, some other organisations, so not by us. And then, um, yeah, it will just have its ongoing life in that one. Great. We had another question. So would there be value in keeping the tool operational beyond the project? Oh, that's certainly the intention um, for this tool to um, be maintained beyond the end of the project um, because it is yeah, a component of that data supply process. So we basically, we're basically finding out through this project, we're trying to establish this system to put it in place and then at the end of this project um, arrangements will need to be made to maintain this tool um, to, to basically keep that data supply process going. Thanks Ulysses. We had a question in relation to slide 31. So what are the benefits for lo local councils supplying data? Hmm. Because this is all about um, a reform of um, basically road funding arrangements within Australia, um, this is leading towards or this is one of the, the, the components of building a, a data-driven system, as was mentioned at the start, um, that will allow us to basically approach road funding in a more transparent and a fairer way. And so what this means is that um, 
to participate in this process, we really need to have data submitted about roads so we can then understand um, things about the usage of the road, the level of performance, and so we're able then to feed back to that asset owner sufficient funding for them to maintain road to a particular standard. And so the incentive for local governments is basically allows them by submitting data that allows them then to participate in the heavy vehicle road reform process. Uh, and then the outcome um, should be to step for that reform of road funding, which should lead to a fairer um, system of road funding across the country. Thanks, Ulysses, for answering. We had another question, which is the issue of consistent road classification is being considered by the Ofsroads Road Data Standard. Is a road classification work undertaken in AT1920 consistent with the way road classification is being considered in the data standard project? Because that um, that previous project, AT1920, kind of has already wrapped up um, and wrapped up for the work with the data standard really commenced in earnest. Um, the answer to that is not in terms of that project. So you know, in this current project, we're definitely talking a lot with the um, people involved in the Australian data standard and also if there are other projects going on looking at these issues of how um, roads should be classified. And so we're all talking to each other and so a consistent outcome will be the end result. Great. Thanks for that, Ulysses. So I've gone through all the questions and we've actually gone through all of the questions which have been submitted, which is great to see. We thank everyone for sending through their questions. We also had a comment from Nicholas and he mentioned that you answered his question well. So thank you, Ulysses. Oh, great. Great. So before I let everyone go, you may be interested in some webinars that we have for the rest of this month and in April. We have a number of webinars covering various topics such as road safety and pavement technology. So to read more about each of these sessions, head to the website shown. We encourage everyone to spread the word about these webinars, so feel free to let your contacts know. To make sure you don't miss any Osteroids news or webinars, please sign up for Roadwatch email alerts. Simply log into your Osteroids account and subscribe to your profile. Please sign up through our website on the login page if you don't have an Osteroids account and there is no cost to join. So to our audience, we hope you enjoyed this session and hopefully you could join us again in future webinars. And if you have any feedback for us, please let us know by filling out a short survey after the webinar. If you have any inquiries down the track, feel free to contact us as we're happy to help. And as usual, I'd like to thank our presenter today, Ulysses. So thanks, Ulysses, for answering everyone's questions and presenting today. No worries. Thank you. So see you later, everyone. And until next time. <laughs>